Hello, and welcome to another episode of the How to Scale a Business podcast. My name is Hector Santhi Esteban, and I'm your host for today. And we're here with Stephen Cohen. He is the CEO and founder of Sarah Health. And we're going to talk about just maybe about caring about our customers and the benefits that come along with that. So Stephen, thanks for hanging out and spending some time with us today. Absolutely, Hector, and thank you for having me. And I love that that we're going that direction with the conversation today. Caring can have an extremely high return on investment, but we'll just say that's what we've learned. Yeah, you were talking about before we hit the recording button about how that was the differentiator in terms of, and forgive me for over-speaking this, but what otherwise might a pretty standard and, and typical kind of business. And so I, it really seemed like a way that you guys were able to differentiate yourselves. But give us the background and the story behind Sarah Health and the journey that you've been on for almost a half dozen years or so. Yeah, it's crazy. It's gone very fast and very slow at times as well. So the the co-founders, we met back in 2017, late 2017, and we had a nice trifecta of skill sets. So I think that's one thing that that we had to really help us along this journey. So myself, I am a frustrated patient. So I've had a lot of physical therapy. I've blown out my knee, blown out my shoulder. My first job out of college had me on about 150 to 200 flights a year. So not exactly great things for the body, as you can well imagine. So I really enjoyed my time in the physical therapy clinic. It felt very, a lot of care, right? And a lot of empathy and folks really trying to help me get better. But as soon as you left, it just was this black hole feeling that I just didn't understand why it had to exist. And so that's why I started the company was to go after that, just that disconnect between visits. Brought on my co-founder, Belid. I was getting my MBA at UCLA. He was getting his master's in computer science. And then we brought in our third co-founder, Paul. He's a doctor of physical therapy that did his fellowship and has spent almost a decade at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And so with the three of us, we went to go tackle this problem. What we realized is no one in the, call it the retail healthcare world, so the physical therapy groups that you would walk past if you walked down the street, no one wanted to pay for this, given how they got paid by insurance. But we found a couple of little niches, and we can dive to, to those further, like how we got there and how we expanded and, and help them grow their business uh, by helping them serve and care for first responders. And then our world changed on January 1st of last year. When the insurance companies came out and said, hey, we're actually going to start paying for this engagement that you've been entirely focused on throughout the entirety of your business, we're actually going to start paying for it. And all of a sudden, the world just opened up for us and we've grown pretty dramatically over the last 12 to 15 months and have some much higher aspirations now, uh, just given the, the growth that we've had. So many things that I want to get into. So the first thing I'd love to go back to when you were starting with your co-founders, what I really enjoy about what you said is that each seemed to have their own unique lane. I've seen that with a lot of successful companies where they everybody has their role, their kind of unique strengths. Can you talk about what that was like coming together or how you decided who was going to be a good fit or just really just how that whole thing came together and how it worked out? Well, you're hitting on something really important, which is the lanes and deciding them. I've seen it go really well where each person has something that they own and it's seen in a as a piece of the broader puzzle. And I've also seen it work really poorly, which is when people create what I call fiefdoms. So this idea of a fief goes back to the Middle Ages and I really own my little patch of grass. Great, but how does that push the entire company forward? And so we were very targeted and, and had a lot of focus on making sure each person 
owned a piece of the business and it didn't fully go the way you might think. Our CTO, you would think, oh, he must own all of product. And it didn't actually end up going that way. The way that we broke the business apart is looked at the key, as we call them, KPIs or key performance indicators. And each of us own one of those things. And then what we take on is actually influenced by that KPI that we can all each report to that grows the business forward. We found that to be much more successful. The way it broadly works out is I get people onto the platform by selling contracts, creating partnerships, doing all that. Our head of clinical, Paul, he basically runs everything clinical. So everything the patient sees, everything that the physical therapist sees, all that's his. And making sure that physical therapists are adding patients and, and all that's going well. And then finally, our CTO owns the tech actually working. And I guess we, we broke it up in ways that each of us could own a piece where it was discreet, but obviously working towards a, a broader goal of, of growing the company. It's cool to see that come together. Assembled your team, if you will. And you also, I would imagine, had an idea of the services that you might provide. What came next? Did you know that the niche that you or the people that you were going to serve and then you tried to find a service that you could provide to them? Or did you already know that generally you wanted to provide these types of services and you tried to find people that might fit for that? How did that go come about? I would say, Hector, we came at it too high level at the start, and we had this problem of poor patient engagement that we wanted to solve. While that's a valiant thing to, to go after, who's going to pay for that? And who makes money off that? Who saves money off that? Like We didn't have that down to a infinitesimal level, and that was a mistake that we made early on. Uh, as we, we came almost too much with platitudes and like, oh, we're going to do this. That doesn't work. Are you customer. able to give some specifics about that? Because oh, Yeah, a- absolutely. So, for example, we said that, okay, what's a group that would pay for patient engagement is the world of workers' compensation, right? So, if the worker that gets hurt on the job can be able to engage, research shows that they'll recover quicker, and that's going to be really helpful. What you don't know until you get in the weeds and actually in the trenches with your customer is that the legal process to actually have someone cleared for work early is so potentially litigious that the group is highly incentivized not to discharge someone early because if anything happens, they could be in a world of hurt, right? And so when you look at it, oh, okay, I can get this person out a day early or a week early and it saves $2,000, let's say just for an example, like that's great. But if anything happens to that person, they could sue us for a million. I have to do this 500,000 times before I can be okay from an ROI for one lawsuit, right? And that was one example where, oh, this totally makes sense. Of course, they'd want the person to recover quicker. But then when you actually get in, okay, how would this work? Oh, it wouldn't. And we figured that out across a few areas in the work comp world where we started with. And that's where we found that there was this group of physical therapists that sold in basically on-site physical therapy into especially high-risk employers. And they really cared about it. Yes, on the recovery side, especially for anything that wasn't a work cop thing. Uh, If firefighter strains their back at a softball game and needs to recover as quickly as possible to get back on the truck, those folks, but also where we saw the most opportunity for them was actually in the injury prevention world. So they're like, hey, if you can help us get these firefighters to do these preventative programs 
a couple times a week, we know that we are going to do really well as a company. And that's a key for us. And because we got in the trenches, we learned, okay, this is not a good place for us for these reasons, but oh, there's this group that will pay for it and is highly incentivized. And it's a direct link to we do well, they get paid, everyone wins. Yeah, I actually had this conversation with a a previous guest on a separate conversation about this idea that, and it comes up a lot, where the people who need the most help are oftentimes the ones who can't afford it. And this challenge where where typically in business, you solve a need and then you get paid for that. There are these weird situations where you have to circumvent that. And what you did is you found the institutions or the organizations or the, the companies that benefited from it, and they can now fund these people who need help. It's a really cool workaround that you guys were able to find. Yeah, I appreciate that. And we got to help some firefighters. That's pretty easy. And we're blessed to be a part of some some of those physical therapy companies and seeing their rise and provide some really great care. To have been a part of that is an absolute blessing. When we get back from break, I want to talk about, okay, you've got your team, you've found your niche. Now it's all daisies and roses and it's off to the sailing or there was a little bit of time before the government kind of stepped in and opened the floodgates. I'm curious how you guys you know, iterated, stuck around before that big break. So we'll get into that right when we get back from this quick break. Hey, y'all. Thanks for tuning in today. Today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media, and we are a content and podcast production company. We like to think of ourselves as genius creators. So if you have a, a mission, a message, a passion, a purpose, something that you want to get out to the world, but don't have the time, the tech skills, or the team to be able to do it, uh, we can help. Go to AmplifyMedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y Media.com. You can also check the show notes for details. And with that, let's get back to today's episode. So Stephen, we were talking at break, what you have experienced, although people may not be in the same exact industry or dealing or working with the same types of people that we all have these challenges finding our niche and finding our audience. But I think even then, once we find who we're going to serve, there are some iterations or some figuring outs that have to happen on the product or the service. And so talk to us about how you guys were able to not only find this market fit, but how you added that product market fit on top of it. Back to the start, it's about really caring for your customer. And it really was continuing to ask, what else can we do? Okay, is this moving the needle for you? Oh, no, it's not because we're not giving you reporting that you can then take to the fire chief. Okay, let me do that for you. And in our company, we call it brute forcing. And so never be afraid to brute force something three times. And that's our rule, it's three. And so what does that look like? It's one of our customers, yeah, could we have this to be able to show our one of the fire chiefs, they're more data-driven, more into this. Absolutely. And it was manual, is in Excel. It was probably later at night than it should have been, but that's how we did it. We sent it to them. We did it for three times. And then finally, they're like, hey, could you make this a, a weekly or a monthly report? And then we built tech to be able to do that on, on our behalf. And it was just asking, what is the next step? right? So we give you X. And if you don't connect yourself to the next step and the step prior, you're going to end up having some workflow issues that you create, unfortunately, unless you understand the full continuum of people come in, they use your service. And then what happens after before and after I think is incredibly important. Yeah, this idea of iteration and doing it through the doing it based on customer feedback, right? I think so many times what we don't know that your ability to take their feedback, implement it, see what happens, that can go a really long way. What else do you think might for people who are listening, I think what's really cool is hearing the journey, right? Is there any other 
either critical moments or things that you look back on that were like, geez, I either I wish we did that or thankfully we made it past through that past that. Were there any other kind of moments like that you think had a big impact on the trajectory or the direction of the business? There were some really tough days, especially between 2019 and and even well into 2021 until we knew these codes were coming out in early 22. And not necessarily a moment, I would say, but if it wasn't for my other founders and honestly, my wife being almost like a fourth co-founder with us, if it wasn't for that support to where any one of us could falter on a, a day or a week, but the other two would come and support. There's something about having that co-founder strength that really helped us get through some of those tougher days. You had this big kind of policy change that perhaps people, we can't necessarily bank on that. But I'm curious what that process was like. And if you guys had an idea that might be a possibility and, and did you start to kind of position and angle yourself to be ready for that? Or was it something that was happenstance and it just was by good fortune that those things played out the way they did? I would love to say that there was a lot of genius behind it, but that would be an abject lie. So I will not. We knew we were doing the right thing by patients and we knew we were doing the right thing by the providers. And there were some, call it like signals that, hey, the Medicare starting to pay for remote patient monitoring. And that's what we do. Oh, now they're starting to pay for more of this. All this care is moving outside of the hospital. This all looks good. And when exactly was going to happen, we didn't know. The way we found out about it, I think one of my key pieces of advice, which is surround yourself with smarter people and, and mentors. So a mentor of mine in early 2020, he and I had a conversation for about two hours. We're talking all sorts of stuff. And then at the very end, he actually said, hey, you should check out these brand new set of, of CPT codes, as they're called. There might be some way you can fit yourself in. And that's when we learned about them. That was March. We put our first practice on uh, in May of, of last year and have grown to you know, well over four digits worth of, of physical therapist in the space of, of basically 12 months from last year. Really, it's surround yourself with really good people, and which means as a CEO, you have to go recruit those people and figure out how to incentivize them to be on the team. And for co-founders, that's likely some form of, of equity, right? And then figuring out what works for everybody. For mentors, it's making sure you're giving some sort of value back to them, which can be as simple as the intrinsic value of following up with them and saying, hey, David, thank you so much for that advice. You have now unlocked this stage of growth for our company. And you maybe it would have happened, maybe not without your advice, but it happened when it did as early as it did because of you. And mentors, that is a currency. That appreciation is 100% a currency uh, that I think some people don't realize. That doesn't have to always be extrinsic. Yeah, it's great advice there. And now that you are, you're where you're at, I'd love for you to share more specifically. We've we've hovered around what the technology does, but I'd love for you to tear what was a little bit more specifically about what it is that you guys do. And then also, I'd love for you to talk about the future and the direction of Sarah Health and, and where you guys are looking to go. Absolutely. In short, we you're good. I'll wait and then we can share sure, a little yeah. bit. Uh, page, if you want to, Paige is our wonderful content editor. Feel free to start over and she'll just cut that part out. Okay. In short, 
our technology helps physical and occupational therapists get paid for work they're already doing with a little bit of an augmentation. And typically how it works is patient comes into the clinic during the evaluation. At the end, the physical therapist is going to say, hey, I use Sarah Health to keep track uh, of how you're doing in between visits. It helps me give you better care. Do you want me to sign you up? That answer is almost always yes. From there, that patient is going to get a daily text message that is asking a specific question based on who they're seeing, how long their plan of care is, what their injury type. Quite a few data points go into that, and they're going to respond via text message. Extremely low friction to to be able to get that data back. We track all of that for the physical therapist. And at the end of 30 days, about right now, 70 to 80% of patients are reach a, a billable threshold, as we call it. So at that point, we give copy and pasteful justification to the physical therapist. They get paid by Medicare about $76 for that. We take a piece of it and then they just keep on rolling. As we see, it is taking that physical therapist's brain and just helping them ask questions every day that they would ask if they had a thousand hours in the day and pushing it all back to them in a really consumable way for them to be able to triage patients in between visits and really show that love outside of the, the clinic. Yeah, I see that work. So great for the patients and so cool that just happens on autopilot for the actual practitioners or providers, I guess is the better word. This is fantastic. Stephen, where can people go and find out more about you and and about Sarah Health or is there any place online to get more connected? Absolutely. So sarahealth.io is our website. I'm sure we can drop a link or just like that, but sarahealth.io. We're really active on LinkedIn as, as far as a, I guess, a social media, you consider that a social media at this point. And I'm posting on there quite a bit as we hear things from the front lines and want to get it out to everybody else. So stories from practice owners who have seen successes and challenges, what we're seeing in the market, what patients are reporting, all that stuff is what we tried to bring about more awareness of these codes and the impact it can have on the physical therapy and occupational therapy world. So we'll link up the Stevens LinkedIn and also all of the links down in the show notes as well. I'm just laughing at your LinkedIn profile. It says mediocre weightlifter. And, and also a new father too. So congrats on that. Go get connected with Steven. I want to thank you, all of you listeners, for sticking with us today. We appreciate your time. If you got any value out of today, we'd love a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. If you know someone who is in the midst of scaling their business or thinking about starting one, please send them this episode and then go get connected with Steven and Sarah Health. As always, we appreciate you being part of the tribe. We'll see you on the next one. Later, y'all.